put on the uniform and found myself. I served my country and fell in love with me. Travel the world being all I could be. God showed me here is where I'd be. Always on time. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on Heroes Media Group with Bridget McCoy. This is Women Veterans Social Justice's second video podcast. And we have the wonderful opportunity to... Uh, have a second podcast with one of our wonderful senior ambassadors who actually has her own nonprofit and has been working in the community with veterans for 20 years now. So I want to welcome Lisa Daniels and thank her so much for uh, bringing her time, talent, and her wonderful, vivacious energy to uh, Women Veterans Social Justice Network. Thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Thank you for having me. It's, it's like as a Eric B. and Rakim said it's been a long time. So Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, had such an opportunity to do so many different um, projects in conjunction with one another. We've partnered in um, various ways in the community, making sure that women veterans narratives have been appropriately, you know, uh, advanced in the community, heard, you know, ca- um, getting the data and, 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 and you've had exhibits, you've done all kinds of different things. And so I really want to highlight what our women veteran um, social justice has been doing in the community in relation to um, working with other organizations to, like I say, advance the narrative. And so first I want to get into who you are and, um, and your background a bit, and then why you decided to um, be such an instrumental part in making sure the narratives of women uh, got into the mainstream. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on this platform. This is very exciting and uh, glad to see that my hair looks okay. Oh, um, you're looking fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> um, been, I've been doing this for 20 years, and I think the name of, I think the uh, sub name of the project should be it all started with a creative writing project. So I was a student at a Chabot College in Hayward, California. Shout out to the Lumberjacks. Um, and I was assigned to do a creative writing project that was a biography of someone I knew, but I was, had to find something different about them, something very new. So I immediately thought of my grandmother, Rita Hernandez, and she raised me. And I said, well, I definitely have to do a, a biography on her. So at the time she lived in Fresno, I gave her a call and I explained my, the assignment. And as a matter of fact, she says, oh, yeah, did I tell you I was a tack welder and a blueprint reader on the Franklin Roosevelt? <sighs> like, wait, right. what? Because right. this, this is a person I've known all my life and I thought I knew everything about her and all the stories she shared with me. And we made a time to speak and I wrote a story about her. And it actually went in the school newspaper. And what happened with her was she's a first-generation American. She's a Trinidadian and Puerto Rican, and she lived in Brooklyn. And at the time, she had wanted to go to college at Hunter College and become a nurse. My great-grandfather wouldn't allow her to do that because at the time, they wanted you had to get parents' permission to attend college. And his mindset was that he was supposed to take care. She was supposed to take care of him and her brothers since my great-grandmother had recently passed. So he wouldn't sign the papers and she was heartbroken. Mm -hmm. So a few months later, she was in the neighborhood and there was a flyer for shipbuilders. She said, shipbuilders wanted Mm -hmm. and interested parties go to the Brooklyn Naval Yard. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And she brought that to my great grandfather. And he was like, no, I want you to take care of the boys and myself. And she's like, oh, really? So she forged his name and went off to the Brooklyn Naval Yard. <laughs> and there she was, uh, she was 19. And at the time she met a group of diverse people. She had actually supervised an area. And um, that work that she did on the Franklin Roosevelt led her to become one of the first women of color, as well as one of the first women retail organizers for the union, one of the unions in Brooklyn. Mm. And I was like, what? You know, I couldn't believe she kept this from me. So I was like, I got to learn more about the black African-American military experience and couldn't find anything. So uh, as of June 1st of this year, Unsigned Heroes has been in existence for 20 years. And that Congratulations. Day, thank yeah. you. That's so awesome. the, thank you. So the anniversary of the fa- the founding of Unsung Heroes was also the day my grandmother passed away. It was two weeks to the day when I graduated from college. Oh, so, wow. So I... Um, Bittersweet. Yes. Yes, it was. And so I was gathering information about veterans of color. And I think it was about 2010 where I thought to myself, wait a minute. Women, we have women in the project, but women aren't being addressed for their work in the military. So mm-hmm. her story narratives came into play. So her story narratives has been collecting narratives of women veterans and, and photos of women veterans since 2010. And so it's just an homage to initially my grandmother, but those women, those women who value, took on the responsibilities of the front lines, whether it was in service or civilian service in helping the war effort. So it's a labor of love that I've been doing for almost 20 years, a whole piece, but it's um, something that I'm very proud of and didn't realize it was my life's work until my son posted that on Instagram. Like, Oh yeah, I guess so. 20 years. Okay. So very blessed to be a part of uh, doing this work and very blessed to have an extended family of veterans who support me and love me because they know I love them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's great because we have, you know, the National Association of Black Military Women um, who collect the narratives of women veteran. And I think Jerry Bell, who's a a writer and I'm trying to think of the other writer's name. um, They collect the the written narratives of women veteran. And so, you know, we have this, uh, you know, this upswell probably started at around 2009. It seems like there must have been some type of energetic clarion call, because I think I started my organization the end of 2008, beginning of 2009. And then a lot of other women veterans started coming forward and starting their organizations around the same time, um, <clears throat> whether uh, in, in its true format, you know, formation are founding them at that time. And so mm-hmm. we have a lot of, you know, when you go back and look at the history of women veteran uh, organizations, our women veteran supportive in, uh, organization um, around 2010, 11, 12, that's when it really started popping off. And then of course we had the hearings and, uh, and all of that mm-hmm. coming. So you and I have been talking about doing projects for at least Ever. five years. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, we've, I've put you with other people to do projects. We've, you know, kind of like you were doing something and I said, Oh, let me plug you with somebody else or cause I wasn't in a, place to like get deeply involved or whatever and vice versa. So we've just kind of between the national association of black military women. And I think Dr. Peyton up in uh, uh, San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. Like just, you know, just different 
little things. And so uh, we're committed to getting the narratives out uh, so mm -hmm. that women veterans narratives are told. And in the situation that we're in right now, it's even more important um, that women of color, uh, specifically black women's narratives are highlighted um, because it, it hit, you know, the news have come out about air, you know, in the air force that men and women of black men and women have been uh, receiving uh, more punitive, uh, uh, just they're getting in trouble more. They're having, you know, uh, more uh, administrative uh, uh, UCMJ action, things of that nature um, than their white counterparts for the same exact incidences. And so um, we can look over the course of our life and see that that history isn't being told because if it was suppressed for four ye five years now, uh, from a Freedom of Information Act, um, and then we had to have data and research done to prove it and then still drag that information out. That lets you know that if that was withheld, then there's an even bigger story that's not being told. Um, and from the responses of airmen and women who uh, are black men and women who are serving in the Air Force uh, on one of the posts, if you follow the thread, you can just see all of that. And so these are opportunities to really um, get people to talk about their personal experiences. And we had a, a woman veteran who talked about her Air Force experience and, and, and she did talk about racism, although I, that wasn't the reason, the, you know, for the, the, the specific uh, podcast, she had other things to talk about, but she did highlight um, the extreme amounts of racism that she experienced um, while serving. And so this was long before the data came out, long before all this other stuff. So it's it's just very important for us to continue to tell these, uh, to bring these narratives forward and have them included in the tapestry of our history so that the appropriate changes can be made and the appropriate honoring can be, can happen too. Because it's like the 6888, we're 70 years in talking about finally having them awarded, you know, for their meritorious service. So you can talk some more about that. Don't let me keep talking because I no, you know we in history no, and no, all that. No, that's, it's okay. <laughs> I was going to mention that um, here uh, I have a dear friend who served in the Air Force, and she was one of the first women to go to Asia during Vietnam. And she mm -hmm. talked about her plight with the issue of hair. You know? Oh, my gosh. And there was like, why can't you have to, you have to straighten it? You have to do this. You have to do that. And there are <laughs> wonderful photos I have of her. Uh, doing a radio show in Vietnam, you know, in the in Thailand, with her big beautiful afro yeah. in Vietnam, and there was a, there's another uh, dear friend of mine who was one of the first air, uh, sorry, one of the first fuelers of color and woman at in the Air Force, mm. and she talked about how she had a little bit of facial hair, and oh, they wow. made her shave it, and now it's like instead of her having it chemically. You know, she chemically removed, she had to literally shave it. And that put a lot of stigma on her as well. So mm -hmm. all of these, it, there's like so many stories of mistreatment yes. and, and, um, and hegemonic uh, occurrences. So for me, I appreciate when someone who has served trusts me enough to get the story out and know that we're going to have the story shared in a, a way where it keeps it keeps the uh, dignity clear versus yes. someone who's just using it for exploitation. It's for, we want to make it, make it informed for other people. Yeah. So that's something else that I think 
that we, we always have to be mindful of. And, during, and, and that's what I did, you know, do, connect the oral histories. Um, you talked about the six triple eights. One of the first interviews I did was of Odessa Taylor Marshall, who was oh, from yeah. Sacramento. And mm -hmm. uh, her son is Joe Marshall of the Omega Boys Club in San Francisco. And he used to do a show in KMEL in San Francisco called Street Soldiers. And he was known for around the country for his social justice activities. So he introduced me to his mom and we spent mm. a day together and her, mm. just her talking about what she went through and, you know, with the, the uh, trouble and the tri strife comes opportunity, you know, her being like 18 years old, going to Birmingham, England and ending up meeting the queen mom who was then queen of England. Mm -hmm. And her going and literally walking to every one of those women and thanking them and having a conversation, not like, thank you and keep moving, but mm -hmm. actually having a conversation. Mm -hmm. And while, uh, while Queen Elizabeth is speaking, here's an 11 year old queen who was Queen Elizabeth, who was the heir. Mm -hmm. So Queen Elizabeth, who was in power now in England yeah. was there. So she got to meet the queen mom and the, the heir to the throne. So right. hearing those stories and the, stories of the camaraderie of, 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 between the women and them all working for a common good in spite of what's going on. Hearing those stories is also important. And, and it's interesting because I hear narratives like that all the time about women who had the opportunity to meet, um, you know, historic figures, you know, heads of state, things of that nat nature. However, I just don't see those narratives held in the same esteem as our white male counterparts. And it troubles me um, primarily because we're saying <clears throat> in our theory, in all service matters, mm -hmm. uh, everyone serves, you know, it, we all put on the uniform. At the same time, I'm not seeing the same value being placed on the experiences of women who served like this narrative that you're telling me, like I've heard bits of it, but not to the level of what you're, you're, you're talking about. And so I'm like, wow, this is important history. Is it that we don't know how to, um, write the narrative so that women can get the awards or be recognized or is it just blatant that we, they're not, it's not being taught at the war college. And so no one knows the history or is it, you know, or is it a multifaceted situation? It is D all of the above. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when I started unsung heroes, I was, uh, I had an AA, I had an associate's degree and I was on my way to San Francisco state. One of the, uh, one of the revered colleges for, protesting and bringing ethnic studies to the forefront, ethnic studies courses to the forefront. So when you're going, you have a love of just trying to c capture that, the written word or the oral word, I'm doing, I'm doing college courses and I'm trying to share these stories. Well, people weren't taking me seriously because I was, had a BA. Right. And it's like, oh, you know, it's probably some kind of little hobby she has, or she's a journalist. So isn't that cute? I literally had to go to get 
uh, more letters after my name for yeah. them to actually say, oh, Lisa Daniels from Unsung Heroes. Oh, yes, I've heard of you. And tell us what you can we get a quote from you on this or can you come and speak on that? It's like you have they they don't value you. You have to have letters after your name as a woman, as a woman. And it hurt me because uh, that was and it continues to be a labor of love for me. So yeah. I also think that um, this history is not in mainstream media anyway. It's like, you know, oh, this will be good for um, Black History Month or this will be good for uh, Women's History Month or this will be good for, you know, maybe Memorial Day. Definitely Veterans Day, but not enough that we could have to really publicize it. So it's uh, a matter of convenience. Mm -hmm. So with these projects... It's these projects are supposed to be celebrated no matter what month they're coming out. It doesn't yes. matter if it's January, if it's, you know, oh, well, January, this is only Dr. King's birthday. Well, there's, you know, okay, if you want to argue that way, it's service. Mm -hmm. And they talk about the day of service in January. So however you want to spin it, I'm coming at you with stories about women who served. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's how I feel about that. I just don't, I think that also um, anyone can write a, a story about a veteran. You don't have to be trained and you don't have to be a subject matter expert. If you're sitting there with a veteran and she has all of these wonderful photos of her in uniform and talking about the experiences she had and giving you like this timeline and oral history with photos in front of her and you're sitting there with a recorder and a pen and paper boom, you, you've done your job. So right. I, I, I always encourage youth to do, uh, do their part and, and talk to big mama, talk to right. your, auntie, your mom, talk to your mom, is your mom serve, or your mom's friend, who's the play auntie or cousin or whatever. Mm -hmm. These stories are very important. And, uh, you don't know, unless you've talked to a veteran, you're not going to know, Oh, I served. Mm -hmm. Unless you start having that conversation, because, um, like I said, I didn't know my grandmother was worked on the for the war effort. I had no idea. That was Graham. I mean, she did so many other cool sayings that what you know. It's just like you're like, wait a minute. I'm 36 years old, and you're telling me this now. Yeah. So, VSJ, the Women Veteran Social Justice Network. Because I, I didn't, I, you know, I'm still learning the different languages in different spheres of work. Uh, you know, one is ethnographic and then another is, you know, um, uh, it's, it's like in social work, it's called, uh, it has its own name. And then in the writing studies, it has its own name, but it's basically just collecting the narrative, the first person narrative of, um, a person um, from their their oral history, from their personal experience, you know, what they saw, where they were, what they did, all of those things. And so I think my first, um, the first project we did was with Bowling Green through WVSJ, um, where we had uh, Dr. Um, uh, Grahowski, uh, she was a, uh, a pr yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we did a, we, we taught a class, we went in, we had a, a, vid uh, a virtual class. I, I did a lecture and then she had the students write, um, interview and write, uh, you know, narratives about the veteran. And 
post them and each one did something different. Someone did a radio show. Someone did, uh, just took information off the internet. Someone did an actual interview, you know, and just wrote, wrote it out. So everyone kind of picked the, the way, the medium that they wanted to present it. And it was posted on a website. And we, we did that as an experiential project, um, through the university. So there's like all of these different ways that, you know, the, the narratives can be collected, but my interest always is about making sure that women veterans, um, you know, their experiences are captured and promoted just along right alongside of our male counterparts. Because if everybody's standing up and talking about how, you know, Staff Sergeant Jojo McBlow did a great job and whatever, I want to talk about Staff Sergeant Julie McLean did such a great job as well. We want to highlight everyone that's doing a great job, regardless if they're a woman or a man. The challenge is we have to press the narrative forward so hard because the narratives have been suppressed for so long. So to some people, it feels like, well, why are you pressing, you know, everyone's voice matters. Why is it such a big deal that, you know, you have to have this, this, you know, it's about women. And it's like, well, our focus is women, but we're not suppressing men's voices. We're just highlighting women's voices. And so the fact that we're still having that, I mean, I've been doing this 12 years, you've been doing it 20 years, still having that conversation. Talk a little bit about that, because I think that that's an interesting you know, it's very timely because here in Sacramento, we just had the uh, announcer for the Sacramento Kings step down from their post because they had made a post on Twitter about this, something to that effect of why are you why are you uh, only talking about Black Lives Matter when all lives matter? So very timely. Um, okay. <laughs> we uh, sidebar when I started the project, it was uh, Unsung Heroes, that is. It was only for World War veterans because I knew that Graham was in that era. So it was at that time they had bulletin boards, BBSs, and the little emails from Excite.com. Remember that? Excite.com. And so um, (laughs) why can't you, why, why don't you do something about this era? Why don't you do something about that era? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And I had to just stand my ground and just say, oh, it was World War. It was only the World War veterans. It was, wasn't until I received an email from a, a Vietnam veteran whose dad was in World War II and ballooned onto Normandy on a balloon and stormed Normandy that I started thinking about, okay, hmm. maybe that they're, they're right about, about this because the story was turned down by Oprah and Spike Lee. And uh, I said I was I was kind of like Obi Wan. I was their last hope. Yeah. So I went in and collected everything, and to hear uh, a veteran, especially a, vet, a World War II veteran, say now somebody cares about that I what I did to serve my country. Yeah. I mean yeah. that's the heartbreaking to hear that to me. So, like you said, I've heard it before. Um, I don't really hear it now. I don't really hear it now. I don't know why, if it's uh, just kind of like. Because you're not paying down. attention to the voices anymore. It probably is not. I, I have to tell this. <laughs> At some point, what I'm like, right. right. It's like, I'm doing what I'm doing. And yes, okay, okay, yes, okay, okay. But um, as far as hearing about women, you always, I just see just that influx of just uh, the dominance of male stories. And then once in a while, you'll see male stor- uh, stories about male, uh, uh, black male veterans. Mm. You know, once in a while. Yeah. And so as I'm uh, 
doing the work now to get emails from women who I received one last week, uh, Thursday, actually last Thursday. And it was a woman who said, I really appreciate what you're doing. I was one of the, I was the, uh, have you heard of the movie Hidden Figures? Well, I was a hidden figure. I helped dress John Glenn for his mission. Mm -hmm. You know, I helped Mae Jemison. I was her assistant and I helped make sure she had all the resources she needed, not only for her flight, but I dressed her for her historic flight. Right. These right. are people that whose stories need to be told and we're not going to know unless we go out there because a lot of times there's that, I don't know if it's a stigma or it's a matter of just being humble. I don't know, but it's, I, I have to literally give a, a speech or about what I do. So some, I of it, some of it is that, you know, when African-Americans came back from the war, um, they were murdered because they were in the uniform. And um, I'm sure that people in the community saw that. And so would you stand up to say, well, I'm Rosie the Riveter. Or I'm, you know, I worked on this or that. If you could see the people in their military uniforms being murdered because they are proud military servicemen. So I think that some of it is, was part of the racism and some of the, th the acts that happened with history, um, you know, the, the bombing of Oklahoma and all of these other things, like all of that was happening. And so I think people of color, black men and women learned to hold their stories close to them because they didn't want to tell their children and their children to have pride about what they did and go out and be murdered because their children were proud of their parent doing this great thing. So I think it became just a, a part of the part of a systematic part of the racism um, that's just kind of baked into everything else. And and so forgive me for kind of interjecting, but I, I've looked at that very mm -hmm. long and hard and just paid attention to the history and all the things that happened. Like when people stood up and said, I've done this great thing and people said, ah, oh, we don't know. Now, if you were a musician or an artist, most times they allowed you to kind of do that because there was an enjoyment that, that, that that's different. Got, You're in entertainment. Yeah, You're in entertainment. But when it came to certain fields, there was just there was there was a level of, you know, treatment that just happened. Um, if you thought you were air quotes better um, because you did this thing, if you owned property or you're uh, a real estate mogul or anything like that, there was always, you know, something, you know, trying someone trying to get move you move that narrative of you don't exist forward versus you exist and you're doing a great job. So let me rush you real quick and talk one thing. I want you to tell everyone about the project that we're doing um, so that everyone knows about this project that's going to be happening uh, shortly because we got like two or three more minutes left. <laughs> okay. So the name of our, our project is Her Story, The Impact of Women in the Armed Forces and Unsung Heroes and Her Story Narratives. So excited to partner with Women Veterans Social Justice Network to have an exhibit which is going to be virtual, which is going to be very cool too. So yes. we're stepping out of our comfort zone in this. And so it'll con consist of uh, virtual listening sessions. I have memorized that. They're not panel discussions. They are virtual <laughs> listening sessions, or we call VLS experience or a VLS yes. virtual video session. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we will uh, feature artwork uh, in different medium from uh, women veterans. Mm -hmm. And the and the exhibit will be photos of women veterans at court and, and we'll just do a timeline and just celebrate 
what women have done to advance the military. And we'll even have a little part about, a little section about the women who were on the sidelines of foundations of women in the military. Yes. So, you know, I think that I'm just very excited about the project. I'm excited to partner with, with you on this. Um, we so do have a, we do have a, a funding from California Arts Council and Sacramento Office of Arts and Culture. So yes. very excited about that. And yes. uh, we'll continue to uh, write grants and, and uh, obtain sponsorships. But yes. very excited about this. Um, it's been a long time coming because I, I, I was looking at my emails yesterday and it said on there, 2017. So it's 2020 now and here we go. And I'm so excited. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's been in the womb for a while. We've been kind of like talking about it and excited on one side and then things didn't happen as quickly as we wanted them to. I believe this is the right time. Technology has advanced. People are more open to virtual events. Um, we have I'm finished with college, so I'm not tripping about school and you're right on the, the cusp of completion. And yes. so we have some, you know, we've got some other juices kind of going and hopefully we can get some students who are interested in um, this experience and having an opportunity to work um, boots on the ground with us uh, virtually. Uh, mm -hmm. So we're hoping for that. And then we're also looking, like you said, for other sponsors. And so I definitely appreciate the work that you've done and all of the insight that you bring to this, because this is a, a, a little bit of a stretch for me because I'm actually um, going to um, allow some of my my artwork to be exhibited in this as well. So thank you for this opportunity. Uh, and so people can see the dynamic, you know, that women better in our dynamic. It's not we're not just this um, this monolith, like just this one thing, you know. There are women veteran artists and musicians and writers and culinary artists, culinary artists, <laughs> like there are women veteran, all kinds of things. And just because you are a culinary artist doesn't mean that you're not in, interested in ethnographic, you know, uh, digital storytelling. So there's like all of these other things. And so we want people to see the full expression of women veteran and hopefully our, our, you know, our virtual listening sessions will allow, um, those space. Um, for people to have that experience. Um, and hopefully we'll have some, some major, uh, you know, institutions that see this as an opportunity for research and, and support us through that, through that venue as well. So well, what I also like is when you had spoke earlier about Dr. Grahowski, who was amazing. And she, we worked at Unsung Heroes partnered with Indiana University Southwest, Southeast, and we had a class, but virtual, that was a, a couple of years ago. And it works swimmingly. So, you know, now even we, we had to be forced to be in a, a detrimental situation to say, oh, you know what? They were right. Virtual yeah. communication, virtual classes do work, but then also it's going to have a bigger reach. I mean, people can see this globally now. This I've, is going to be so, something very exciting. Yeah. And I've said that over and over again for women, for disabled people and for um, other, other disenfranchised groups that I may not be talking about. This gives them an opportunity to participate in a bigger dialogue with uh, other communities that they may not have had access to. And so this is about access. This is about mm -hmm. creating, you know, space for different groups of people to hear from different groups of people, but also giving access. Because if I am, if, if I were a, a, a 
a, a trans woman trying to intersect with the information, but not really sure if I'd be welcomed or not. Like, I don't know that coming into this space. Uh, but in a virtual setting, I can maintain my anonymity. I don't have to let you know, you know, that I'm, I'm transitioning and all of that, I, that none of that has to come into play. So, and that's what I've loved about social media. That's what I've loved about all the programming and stuff that WVSJ has done and Unsung has done and other organizations that we're working with now, you know, that they're, they, they get it. They get that this removes the barrier of being able to participate because we want as highest participation as possible. So we're teaching people how to use the tools. We're teaching people how to engage each other um, and teach each other how to use the tools. And then we're teaching organizations how to use the tools to engage other organizations and engage their, their population. So the keyword engagement is just yeah. so important because we can, you can have the access, but if you're not engaged, if we don't have find ways to engage the communities that we're looking to, to uh, uh, bring this great work forth, then we haven't done our job. So it's good. Yeah. We have it's the access and then to bring people together to start talking. And yeah. that will be is very important. And also we'll be having an exhibit catalog too. So that's another thing as I'm doing, as I was doing exhibits before, it was like, oh, I don't, I will exhibit catalog. You, you know what you're doing? I, and I don't mean to downplay it, but it's a lot of times when you're doing the work, you're just doing the work. Doing the work, yeah. So, yeah, you, have you have almost have to have somebody, somebody else catalog right. what you did after right. you're like, you have, yeah, and you also have to have pe people when people tell you or you're they're reading your bio, you're like, oh wow, okay, you don't really think about it. it's like I have to get this, this have to get this done, I have to get this done. So right, uh, we're we'll have an exhibit catalog for this exhibit. So very excited about that too. Tell everybody how to get in touch with you. <clears throat> you can visit the website Unsung Heroes LHP for Living History Project.org. Uh, you can follow Unsung Heroes on Twitter, Unsung Heroes LHP, as well as Instagram, Unsung Heroes LHP. And if you are interested in submitting uh, a call for artists for your, your work, if you're interested in, in uh, submitting photos and your story, her story narratives at gmail.com. Yes. Thank you so much, Lisa. I appreciate you so much Unsung Heroes. I appreciate the organization so much. Thank you for all of the committed work that you've done to bring the narratives of women who served forward and that service in and out of the military. So we're just thankful for that. Thank you. And so thank you for for Women Veterans Social Justice Network. Don't 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 act like you were getting out of here clean. <laughs> I mean, all the right. work you have done and and uh, seeing you. seeing you uh uh, fight, do fight tirelessly for women veterans uh, is so important and it's much appreciated. I'm sure not only nationally, but globally. And then seeing you in front of Congress, seeing you on Trevor Noah. And, and I mean, you know, it's like, again, it's like you're doing the work and sometimes you don't think about it, but sometimes you just have to have someone from outside say, Hey, you're doing that work and you're doing a great job. So. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you for joining us today here on Women Veterans Social Justice Network. And we're this is our podcast for Heroes Media Group. And so thank you for everyone that joined us. Um, hopefully you uh, join us next week. But if you have comments, please post them below. Please subscribe and follow us so that we can continue the discussion next week. So thank you, Lisa. You have a great week. And we look forward to all the great things that are going to be coming out from from these exhibits. You do as well. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you. God showed me here is where I